Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. We're not condoning fraud in any way, just to be clear. No, just identity theft. Hello and welcome to the In For A Penny podcast. I'm Mark Schoffman, a freelance personal finance journalist, and I'm joined by my financial planner friend, Joshua Gersler, who runs an advisory business called The Orchard Practice. Hello. If you'd like to know a little bit more about us, you can check me out at www.cavendishcontent.com and Josh at www.topfs.co.uk. Each episode, we aim to give our perspective on the world of finance and money, and discuss some of the issues that crop up in business as well as everyday life. We hope that you'll learn something from our podcast as well as have some fun too. Hit the subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. Mark, before we get into it today, okay, I want to know, you've got quite a few uh, buttons undone on your, well, on your shirt. Now, what, are you sh- um, showing a bit of... Um, chest hair bit of cleavage there i try to be a regular follower of fashion yeah no i don't <laughs> i try my best and um i sometimes think if you go up well i mean there's a few different ways a man can wear a shirt you can go all the way to the collar button yeah a bit sort of uh, like which, um what's his name in gavin and stacy used to do yes uh, which um or you can just have the one penultimate button which is what i've got at the moment yeah which is very kind of business-like or I think the kind of business casual, smart cash look, I go one more, shows a little bit of chest hair. It works for you. Cleavage. Do you think, I think, um, you know, I think it works. I think you're right. It doesn't always it. work. Oh, yeah. And it depends on the fit of a shirt, because if it's too loose, you end up close to showing nipples. <laughs> no, no one wants that, Mark. No one wants that. No, or as my kids uh, called them when they were little, pineapples. Pineapples. <laughs> Don't show wow. your pineapples. No. Um, I wanted to uh, discuss something before we launch into the big theme of today. Sure. About namesakes, because I opened an email today, because I'm writing regularly about um, property in the estate agency industry at the moment. And uh, one of the people I was quoting was named Joshua Gertler. No. Yes. Who's that? He uh, runs an estate agency called Normie. I'm going to get the name right. N-O-R-M-I. Yeah, We're giving him a shout N-O-R-M-I. out. Yeah, I don't know the guy, but he's getting a good plug. Joshua Gertler. That's so close. Normie and K. So close. Have you? Is that the closest? You've had, have you ever found someone with the same name? No, because it's not a very common surname, Gertler. No. What about, no. are there any Mark Schoffmans out there? There are no Mark Schoffmans. There is a Mark Schiffman. And um, in the past, when I was on the Jewish news newspaper, I've been confused for him. Okay. Um, he is a teacher, I think. And um, I think, because, you know, the Jewish community is quite small, and I, fo- I phoned someone up, and um, I think they thought I was him. I wasn't him. Was that guy that He's did a book about, about, he tried to track down all the people with his name? What was his name? Was Dave that, something? Dave, Dave Gorman, That yeah. was it. Uh, I've also found some research for you about names. Go on. Uh, this is, um, just because I get a lot of random emails in my inbox, this is some research. You need by to another. stop visiting those websites. <laughs> by another estate agent called Barrows and Forrester. And they found the rudest road names in um, the UK. Yeah, I saw something like this once. Go on, let's have a giggle. So here you go. And they've actually told you that the average house price of these road names. So should we play a little game? Yeah. 
Uh, maybe we'll do higher or lower, actually. Should we do that? Yeah, let's do that. So, okay, so I'm going to tell you. So road names containing... Um, can we swear on this podcast? You can, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. I mean, I won't, but you do it if you like. Okay. Road names con- containing... my. If my children are listening closer, is road names containing the word shit, okay. such as Shitterton in Dorset, yeah. carry an average house price of £425,000. Okay. Okay. So, but road names with cock, such as Cock Lane. Yeah. Do you think they will be priced on average higher or lower? Lower. You're correct. They command an average price of £390,000. Okay. One out of one. Okay. One out of one. Here, this one's very rude. Okay, this is um, homes on the streets with twat in the name, such as, I mean, it's probably pronounced twat. And if I was on that road, I probably would pronounce it twat. So there's Twatling Road or Twatling Road in Birmingham. I'm sorry, mum. And do you think that is higher or lower than Cock Lane, which was £390,000? I think it's lower. You're going for lower. Yeah. The average price is actually £687,500. Expensive twat. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's go for... Let's do one more because they're all I'm very I'm just excited reasons. to hear the names. Forget the amounts. <laughs> um, this is... Oh, no, that one doesn't really... Well, what about Minge Lane? Yeah, it's a this good is road. Kind of very disturbing. It's a good Higher road. or lower? Apparently it's very Man. overgrown around there. Yeah, higher or lower than Twatling Road. We're going to have to put a it's lower. Um, explicit rating on this show. Lower, you're right. An average price of £376,000. Do you want to just give us some of the other names without the prices, just for a laugh? The other ones, uh, there's Cumming Street. Um, yeah, Slag, where you Slag, step there. Yeah, Slag Lane. Yeah, that's good to go at night. Um, and... <laughs> And Fanny Street. I don't know if they're making some of these up. <laughs> I think they're making them up. <laughs> yeah. That was a bit of fun. Yeah. Um, some of these names Who said are... personal finance had to be serious? <laughs> Indeed. But I think we're going to try and talk about serious stuff now. Oh, okay. That's serious this is where all the listeners uh, turn off, but go on. Turn off. So um, the, some of these names are names I have used for... Uh, people have had to phone on customer service helplines. That's my very random segue okay. into today's subject, which is customer service. Because um, we've had a, obviously, we've just been through a pandemic over the past couple of years. Next one's about to one start, of, isn't it? This monkey, uh, monkey, monkey pox, pox one. Yeah. You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> well, probably not first. Um, and that, a consequence of that, for good and bad, has been people have been working from home. And a lot of the times when you try to call a customer service helpline, now they'll say we have um, call waiting times are longer than normal because of, because of COVID. Well, sometimes they blame on COVID. Because of COVID. So yeah, we're mad, still blaming COVID two years on. And I, um, so I've got a couple of questions. I want to know when uh, call times were normal, like what the normal call time should be. Is this higher or lower? And no, this is just me pontificating. Okay. But we can. Uh, let me see. I do have some research for you somewhere. How long do you think it should take? If, you've got, if you're a victim of fraud with your bank, how long do you think it should take to um, call up and report that? So, if I, so I've been a victim of fraud. Someone's taken money out of my account and I'm calling the, the fraud hotline. So you're a bit upset, stressed. Yeah. I, I, how long should it take? I would like my call answered within 60 seconds. 60 seconds. Well... Uh, the consumer group, which has done some research for you and everyone, 
um, and it's found average waiting times can range from 16 seconds, so you'd be happy, yeah. to f- more than 30 minutes. Yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. But I bet if you want to spend some money with that bank, they'll answer the phone really quickly. They yes. can take your money. Exactly. I'll happily, yeah, take your money, or if you owe them money, if they're kind of chasing late payments. It just seems like people are using COVID as an excuse to, to not be able to, to run a proper service. Yeah, I can't understand why it's still an excuse to over two years since it started. Surely by now they've had time to put systems in place, people in place. And so it's not just in banks. So um, broadband providers, how long do you think it should take to um, call your broadband provider? How long does it take or should it take? Should it take? Well, I think most calls should be answered within a minute. But what? what's the... Yeah. Um, am I reporting a fault here? Yeah, you're reporting a fault. Okay, a broadband yeah. fault. I think I'd like it to be within a minute. I reckon sometimes you can be waiting 15 minutes. Okay, well, actually, it's, the worst was four minutes, according to Ofcom last year, but maybe, obviously, averages. Some can be higher and some can be lower. Yeah. Uh, do you find... when you Obviously, because you've got to work for clients and you need to be calling up um, pension companies, mortgage brokers, mortgage lenders. How do you th- how, what do you find when you're trying to get through to, to these companies? Oh, well, I'm lucky nowadays that I don't tend to make the calls to the providers, so my team yeah. tend to do that. But I often see them and hear them sitting on hold for what can be sort of 20, 30, 40 minutes with some of these companies. And there's sometimes occasional expletive appears from the not appears is audible yeah. from the mouths of the team when yeah. they pick someone picks up the phone and they've been waiting half an hour and they just get cut off straight away that has of course known to happen yeah. from some of these providers or you I'll name some of those road names yes yeah um or sometimes they get through and the person is just like so unhelpful and sometimes you think how do these people get jobs at these companies but do you, have you, do you, what's the sort of longest, so 30, around 30 minutes you said people have had to wait? Yeah, when, well, when I used to sit on these calls, I can remember sometimes you're on hold just waiting, letting it ring for 45 minutes. Yeah. And it's just such and, a waste of time. And was that even before the pandemic? Yeah, correct. Yeah. It, and it's just, uh, it's a joke, really. And um, what about how long does it take if I want to call up the orchard practice? How quickly will they answer the phone? Your, your call, so we, we, we realise that it's very important to be able to speak to someone. So your call should be answered within about 15, 20 seconds. We don't have sort of a queuing system. So if no one answers the phone, we've got this sort of overflow system that it goes to an external company to answer the call and take a message for us. Because we'd much rather you get to speak to someone than it just rings and rings or a voicemail. That's good. What about um, if I so call Cavendish Content? If you call Cavendish Content, you're lucky to get me, if you're not, I'm honest. It's a good sign that I'm busy. You're, I don't like you're busy on doing your buttons. Busy on doing my buttons. Yeah, <laughs> so many buttons. I might try to answer my phone, but I'm not in a... I feel if you're in a regulated service, well, I guess I do am doing some sort of service, but a service-orientated role, you should be able to pick up the phone and be helpful, particularly as um, banks and... Um, Pension companies and investment firms, they have the responsibilities to look after their customers, treating customers fairly. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a bit different in as well, sort of what we do. When you call your broadband or your bank, you don't really have a relationship with an individual. Like you're 
it's just whoever answers the phone answers the phone. Whereas if you call us, you're usually looking to speak to someone specific who you know can help you and you've got a relationship with that person. So most of the calls my team can deal with and it's admin queries or yeah. processing queries and any clients that calling that need specific advice, if I'm available, I'll chat to them there and then, but more often than not, I might be in a meeting. So we put a time in the diary for me to call back. So I think it's a bit different in the actual advice process to the like a call center type environment. I guess that's a positive of, of using a financial advisor over if you're going to use a bank. Yeah. Also, I think of a like a boutique firm of our size, you get to know the people you're dealing with. So it's sort of uh, seven people. You, you get to know each individual personally. So you might find if you're dealing with a financial advice firm with hundreds or thousands of people, you don't get that same level of service you don't build relationship with someone when you call when you call up your bank you're probably not gonna the, the person at the other end is probably not gonna say how was a holiday how's the kids talk about yeah. your football team all that type of thing whereas our guys have know that type of stuff because they chat to people regularly so i guess do you think we should be able to have mobile numbers for our well i guess in the old days you used to be able to call up your bank manager and you'd have a personal relationship so it's just these contact centers that are often based overseas there They've ruined it. They've taken away those relationships. Yeah, they have. I, I, I don't think you need to have mobile numbers. So when you call the office for us, you're not calling that person on their individual mobile. But if they answer the phone, there's the chances are they will know you and, and have a chat with you. But I don't think you should be calling them on their mobile because they're entitled to switch off certain times a day. You know, I only make them work from 4am to 10pm. The rest <laughs> of the time they can, they can do what they want. Should I stop calling you on your mobile? Nothing to do with work. You, you call Mark, you're special. You can call, call me any time. Always answer for you. So the um, money mail section of the Daily Mail has launched a campaign uh, to say if a um, customer service hotline for a bank doesn't pick up after a certain time, they should have to pay compensation. What do you think about that? For what? So if you call it's a company... Like a tar tar target type thing well I don't know what they're gonna I mean it's a bit harsh I think it depends what I guess it depends what sort of relationship you have with the company so if you are paying them a fee an ongoing fee and part of the service that you're paying for is getting your calls answered then yes because they're not delivering the service they tell you but if let's say you've got a free bank account and they don't answer the phone why should they pay you I don't know I think that, I'm not sure about that one well, maybe it should be, it should be sort of an industry targets. What do you think? Well, I think there needs to be something to sort customer service out in this country. I'll give you an example. Yeah, go on. So, and I, I think this is another thing maybe we should discuss as well, and circle back to this. But when I try to ring my bank, I've got to go through um, uh, telephone banking passwords and remember loads of passwords that I would have set up probably years ago. And then once you get past that, then you've got to hang on hold for ages and there's no guarantee you're going to get through. So you've got this situation where you've got all this information you have to remember. You're kind of treated with suspicion before you even get to the person you want to speak to. And then you may not even be able to speak to them. And, then, and you, it could take ages to, for them to pick up. Whereas if there was an incentive for banks to actually pick up the phones and treat their customers fairly and they knew they were going to be fined if they 
didn't meet certain targets or service levels, I think that could improve the industry. Well, I think you've got two things there. The first point you raised was about all the data and suspicion before they speak to you. Yeah. I sort of agree that they do need to verify you. So I don't think they have suspicion about you, but yeah. you'd, you'd probably feel uncomfortable if someone else called up, said, I'm Mark Schiffman, <laughs> um, and they managed to get into your account and do things. So I get why they need to verify you for data protection, all of that. Should they have targets? What would probably be better is if the there should be targets for how quickly they answer it. But should there be fines? Well, do there need to be? Because people could just change banks, couldn't they? The, yeah, but the they're best all pretty bad. To, right, so if they publish sort of the response times and the service levels from everyone, maybe that would be better. Yeah. Um, and people would just talk with their feet. Yeah. Have you ever tried to talk with your feet? It's weird. Like, you just get this sort of thumping noise. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? No, it's hard. What, what do you reckon about... Because I guess passwords is an, another issue because... Um, the way you sort of have to interact with your bank or other financial services providers, because a lot will have web chat services where they try to push you to, so your phone app, and they'll say, oh, it's easier to get through to us online, go to our live chat service, and then you're, you're speaking to people, and you, it's unclear thirsty if you're speaking with a robot or a real person. And then again, they'll ask for all sorts of personal details. Like, How many passwords do you think you have have to remember oh, time. there's so many like, I try yeah. and for certain similar things I'll try and use a similar password but yeah like they say what password is that uh, it's Mark with a <laughs> with a K yeah. um, I try and for, for some I have to write them down I know they say don't but yeah there's no way to remember it um, but again I understand the the reason I don't want someone getting into my accounts and being able to do things where you could have one password that lets you access all these different services. I don't know. Well, it'd be good. You know, like, I think it's very good on your, or my mobile. Yeah. A lot of the apps, you can just put your fingerprint on the back of the phone yeah. and it lets you in. Like, that's ideal. That's, that is having one password for everything. Yeah. Um, I remember years ago, they tried to do that on computers where on your laptop, you had sort of fingerprint thing. Yeah. But, but I don't know if it ever took off. That'd be good if you could do it on your machine. But although films keep making it seem really easy to just steal someone's fingerprint, don't they? Where they'll like take a piece of sellotape and take it off the yeah. glass someone's held or something. I, it can't be that easy. Yeah, or it. like take a picture of their eye and hold it up to the retina. Yeah. The retina scan. Yeah. Um, no, I don't, well, maybe it is that easy. I don't know. Yeah. We're not condoning fraud in any way, just to be clear. No, just identity theft. Just, <laughs> <laughs> And I guess if, if you are unhappy with your bank, you can complain to the financial ombudsman service. I guess that's a good thing. Yeah, I think the key, the key for me is if you are paying for an ongoing service, you should get that service, you should receive that service, and if you don't, that money should be given back. So with our financial planning clients, they pay us an amount each year and we deliver a certain level of service for that. We don't sort of say we'll answer the phone this quickly or or do this and that, but we make sure we're looking after them, we're having annual planning meetings, we're taking care of their money. Um, and if we're not doing that, we the client has a right to say, well, you haven't provided a service, I, I'm going to cancel my agreement with you. Hmm. And that's what it should be like with other businesses. So for things like, let's take broadband, where you're paying a monthly fee, if yeah. they're not providing the, let's say the broadband doesn't work or they're not providing the support and the service, you should get a refund or your money back. I'm not convinced about things that are free 
whether they should compensate like a bank account. But if you've got a paid-for bank account and they're not delivering, I would expect uh, some money back. That's most of the things I wanted to throw at you in customer service. Okay, thanks for that. How do you make sure you deliver good uh, service to your clients? I um, try to set realistic timeframes, deadlines. So if they say, I'd like an article on customer service, you're like, yeah, I'll get that to you in six weeks. Yeah. Well, I'll try and say, I can get that to you in a week. I mean, I'll probably realistically get it done in, I shouldn't say this live, should I? I shouldn't say this out loud. i probably get it done in three or four days. Yeah, but that's... Un- that's under promise, over deliver. Yeah, and that's good. And also, you're not putting too much pressure on yourself. If they're exactly. happy with a week and you can get it quicker, great. But yeah. if it takes you a week, if something comes up, then then they're expecting that. So you're okay. Yeah. Have you ever had... Uh, sometimes I imagine you sort of get told, we want X amount of words, like a thousand words or 10,000 words. Yeah. So if you've done a, if you've been asked for 10,000 words and you've only delivered 8,000, do you think they should yeah. get some money back? No, because that is not, they're not only paying for my output. They're paying for my input. experience and the input. They're paying yeah. for the quality of the, the, quality, the writing, not just, not just the number of words. And I think yes. that's where I went wrong at sort of with my dissertation and things. I was just wanted to get the number <laughs> of words and maybe the quality wasn't quite there. Yeah. There is a 10% rule, although that wouldn't really help in that situation, but you can often be 10% under or over. Okay. So I sometimes use that. Lovely. Well, is that all we've got time for, Mark? I think I think so. Lovely. But, you know, give us a ring if you've got any questions. We might answer. We might Josh answer. Will answer. Well, yeah. yeah, call the office and we'll answer. Yeah. Please remember, anything discussed in this episode shouldn't be taken as financial advice. But if you do need support, feel free to contact us on Twitter. You can reach me at Mark Schoffman and Josh at Josh Gersler. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Please leave us a review on your podcasting app. That helps people find us and lets us know you're enjoying what you hear. So thank you for being in for a penny.